This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Liverpool v Chelsea, one of the stand-up fixtures of the Premier League era. But as the Blues head to Anfield, eyes and ears will be watching and listening out to the chants from the stands. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along to the Blood Red channel as we look ahead to this evening's Titanic tussle as Tuchel's team come to town. Joining me is Paul Aman, founder of Liverpool's LGBT plus fans group Cop Outs, as we'll be talking through those chants towards Chelsea loanee Billy Gilmore at Carrow Road on the opening day. Discuss why it's time to leave those songs in the past as well as meeting Jurgen Klopp down at Kirby. Paul, first things first, thanks a lot for joining us here on the Blood Red channel to uh, talk about what is a very sensitive and very important topic that sadly reared its head on the first day that fans were allowed back in mass in uh, Premier League stadiums. Absolutely. Um, it is a real shame to be here for the first time on this topic in many senses, but it's a really important topic. As Liverpool fans, we are renowned for having a lot of noise, a lot of fantastic chants, great singing, and that particular chant doesn't make it, doesn't make the cut on so many levels. One, it's dead cheap and it's a bit lousy. Um, language that has been used to describe it um, by others has been a lot stronger, but uh, keep it uh, a bit tamer today. Um, but the impact of that chant is really problematic. I remember first hearing it at uh, the Chelsea match when Torres came back to Anfield for the first time wearing a blue shirt. And just hearing that for the first time from so many people in the cop, not necessarily intentionally being homophobic, but shouting out Renboy in that manner was just, um, it was like a bucket of cold water over me, as I said before. It's just, you've gone from the warmth and the embrace almost of you'll never walk alone and the lovely positivity that we show to that and didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel wanted and I didn't feel like I was at Anfield, the Anfield that I'd come, come to know and love over you know, many years of coming to the match. So that's why you know we've put out a statement that we did. The club and many others, including Kick It Out, the police, CPS, they're all four square in recognising that this is a homophobic chant. And, you know, that's how I ended up um, getting thrust into the spotlight a little bit over the last week, which, you know, if it's going to raise awareness, then fair enough. I suppose it must have been a real kind of jarring moment for you. As you say, that that first time you kind of hear that chant, the Chelsea game, what would it have been, 2011, when Fernando Torres yeah. had, at first came back. As you say, what Liverpool... FC in particular stand for, even Liverpool as a city is kind of about inclusion and everyone being in it together and the socialist values, yet it doesn't chime with that at all. Exactly. And to have that absolute kind of like juxtaposition of like, on one hand, you'll never walk alone. And then that, um, yeah, very alienating and not, not the Liverpool that I know and love as a city, as you say, as a, as a, set of values that I know that people in the city have got. It's why I choose to live here. It's why I choose to work here. And it's part of me, love of the club as well. Yeah, most definitely. In terms then of Cop Outs, the, the group that you are the founder of, tell us a bit about that for people who don't know. When were you, you founded and obviously kind of what you guys are all about? 
So Copouts was launched officially five years ago um, as basically a fan group for Liverpool, for fans who are LGBT+. And we exist because of instances, sadly, like what happened at the Chelsea game and what happened at Carrow Road, because what we want is an environment for LGBT plus fans to feel safe, to feel welcome, and to be able to enjoy the game just as much as any other fan. And we're not asking for the moon on a stick. You know, it's, it's simple uh, stuff that we want to be able to do. And for some LGBT plus fans, football can feel a really intimidating and unwelcoming place. The club have moved uh, a long way to make sure that actually the club's as welcoming for LGBT plus fans as any other fan. And our allies amongst them, Spirit of Shankly and many others, have absolutely stood up and been counted and said, you know, we're just fans and we just want every fan to feel safe, to feel welcome and to be able to enjoy the game. Um, so since we've been founded, we've attracted a lot of followers on our social media channels, but also we've had something like 250 people sign up to be full members of Cop Outs and they contribute to the policies and the approach that we take. Um, they, they have a say in everything that we do as members. We've got an elected committee who help me and themselves to really be equipped to take the arguments forward, to push the campaigns where necessary and to really support Liverpool the best way that we can. In terms then of, I kind, I, I suppose, kind of talking about that that homophobic chanting at Carrow Road, but even just homophobia within football in general, it's felt for an awful long time now, even, I suppose, so long as I can remember, probably a decade and more now, kind of the, the way in which football is trying to open itself up to allowing openly gay men to come out in, in football whilst they are still playing. The examples are still few and few far between but it feels as though we have been working towards that yet then immediately what happens on the opening day of the Premier League season at Carrow Road especially with a club as big as Liverpool and the following it has because some supporters may not have heard the chanting initially but then of course when it is picked up and it is reported widely all of a sudden it being Liverpool it's obviously a massive microscope on it and kind of sets back I suppose that openness to try and encourage gay men to come out. In part yes I mean Let's also be quite realistic about who was chanting. It was some of our away supporters, yes, in a vocal way, but it wasn't what I would call um, a majority of those chanting were definitely homophobic. I think a lot of them are quite unwitting in what they thought that they were chanting. They were having a pop at a player as far as they could see. Um, But... They didn't recognise the impact it has on their fellow fans who happen to be LGBT+. And whilst it is a possible risk of preventing somebody to feel that football is a safe environment to come out in, I think that the vast number of steps that Liverpool as a club has done, that our fellow fans and allies have, you know, the stance that they've taken and indeed the reaction of the club to date, has made has probably left the you know the in the closet player or somebody in football a bit more willing to think about it because actually um, the environment is generally safer 
than it was 10, 15 years ago. No doubt about that. Um, and yeah, there's been a hiccup along the way here, but I think there's an awful lot of progress been made to make sure that actually the environment is getting better. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. As, as I was kind of saying there, you automatically kind of think actually it sets things back. But no, taking your point there that actually then the reaction to that really actually shows that it is a, a safe environment. And in terms of that, then let's talk about your dealings with Liverpool. I'm sure since setting up the group five years ago, you've had many a dealing with them, but seem to have been very proactive in terms of this one, releasing a statement and, and getting, I suppose, reaching out to you guys. Would that be right? It was they who kind of reached out to you to invite you along to, to Kirby? Yeah, absolutely. So as it happens, I've been working with the club for about 10 years. Um, I was elected to, or selected for the, uh, as the LGBT plus fans rep for the old supporters committee back in 2011. And that morphed into the new fora that we've got now, a different fan forum and moving it forward into the new governance structure, we'll be working with Spirit of Shankly on the supporters board. But that um, engagement with the club has been a real learning curve for the club to realise and appreciate what our issues are as LGBT plus fans. But more importantly, it's offered opportunity to work with other fans who are bringing their concerns to the table, whether that's ticket prices or the stadium. LGBT plus rights are just part of the mix of things that we discuss with the club. So the club were already aware that this chant was a problematic one. Our fellow fans were very much aware that this was a problematic one. And it's fair to say that since the 2012 issue with Torres coming back to Anfield, that chant has declined an awful lot at Anfield. It hasn't been eliminated at Anfield, um, and we're hopeful for Saturday. But the club were actually listening out for it themselves. And the club knew about it before Copouts tweeted. Um, the club then reached out immediately to me to say, look, uh, we're aware of the chant. How do you want us to play this? Um, do you want us to quote um, Copouts? Do you want us to mention your tweet? Do you want us to say whatever? And I said, well, you know, quite happy for you to quote our tweet for us to be mentioned. And then, wow, my phone nearly blew up. Um, but two or three notifications a minute on Twitter for the next 24 hours. And uh, that was um, an interesting range of responses. A lot of love and solidarity for sure, but also a lot of whataboutery, a lot of, you know, denying that it's homophobic, a lot of, oh, we'll chant it anyway, stuff backwards and forwards between some people. But it also flushed a lot of allies out who stood up and were counted. And that's what I'm saying about actually, you know, things have got an awful lot better than you might expect. That yeah. was Saturday. <laughs> yeah, no, and I imagine since then, as you say, the phone didn't really stop, did it? You you went down to Kirby and, I mean, I'm interviewing you today, but you had Jurgen Klopp asking, spinning it on its head. He's normally the one being asked the questions. But yes, in the, the, the video with you speaking with him, that, that must have been a pinch me moment. Um, <laughs> That was that was brilliant. Um, I mean, we can't ask for a better ambassador for our club, you know, in terms of the values of the club and our city than Jürgen. He's, he's got it. And to be able to ask and talk with him about 
LGBT plus rights, to be able to talk to them about the impact that that kind of chanting has um, was a fantastic moment. And for sure, you know, I could have been a bit nervous, but, I, you know, I readied myself, I got myself focused, made sure I was sticking to the point, um, even though the club did their utmost to put me off because just ahead of that, Virgil van Dyke walks in. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he walks in. Uh, to express the team's solidarity, his personal support and commitment. Um, lovely bloke. Um, cool as a cucumber as well. Just Mr. Ultra Chill, which was really, really nice. And uh, to meet Virgil just before Jürgen walks in was uh, <laughs> nearly put me off my stride, shall I say. I was going to say, I think that's one of the prerequisites at the moment, isn't it? You've got to be chill and cool to, to be involved at, at Liverpool and, and just completely grounded and, and get these kind of things. Because that's it with Jürgen Klopp. In, in watching that back is just the, the the human element to him, I suppose, comes out. We always put these guys on pedestals and think of them as stars and everything. But at the end of the day, cameras there or not, I'm sure you could have sat and had the exact same chat with Jürgen Klopp. Absolutely. And nobody was putting words in our mouths. Yep, we had a series of topic pointers to talk through, but it was absolutely refreshing and direct from him. He was He chose exactly how he was going to talk about this in his own words. And that was really, really brilliant. Um, afterwards, uh, we had Jordan Henderson pop by as well, my um, favourite player and our captain. So, you know, I was absolutely thrilled to catch up with him as well and, and to have a chat with him and see, you know, how he felt about the issues because he's been tweeting in the past. He's worn his rainbow laces, obviously, right the way through the Euros. And it was an opportunity to say thanks on, you know, a personal level because, the impact that that has for some of our LGBT plus fans and for LGBT plus people in our city is really, really important. We all know that the message of football carries much further than anything a politician or a police person, you know, will ever say. But to have a footballer really say, you know, hey, there's no space for hate, especially in a time when, you know, we've had a string of battered and bruised and bleeding LGBT plus people in our streets. And that's absolutely appalling. And to have our football club, to have our players, to have our manager stand four square with LGBT plus people, I think is really meaningful at this time. I suppose that point is only really echoed with the times in which everyone's going through right now, it should be a time for, for celebration of everyone being back together. Final point on this before we will talk about the game and the, f the football itself, though. From your point of view, is that apprehension ahead of the game with Chelsea, that those chants will re-emerge and reappear for the game? Or I suppose you can only do what you can do in terms of raising awareness. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've raised a lot of awareness for sure. And I know that the club are standing ready to respond if anything kicks off. I know that fellow fans are standing ready to tap people on the shoulder and say, leave it out. And that's all that we can ask for. Um, I'm really hopeful that the message will have got through, that people recognise that there's no space for that at Anfield or anywhere. I hope that is the case for all involved. Let's talk about the football then. Chelsea coming to Anfield. It's the first head-to-head -head of one of the contenders that Liverpool are facing this season. Outside of the Liverpool bubble, people pretty happy to write the Reds off this season. Don't see it myself, but this is going to be one of the uh, the first real tests of the campaign. 
I think it's an amazing match to look forward to. Um, Chelsea have obviously strengthened. They've got an excellent manager. But I have a big feeling that we're going to do a bit classical Liverpool. We very often prepare for the big games really, really well. We look at them, we analyse them, we take them apart, we work out exactly how we're going to beat them. And when you look at the top half of the table over recent years, we've nearly always turned them over. Whereas sometimes the losses have come against the smaller teams. You know, um, it was Burnley that broke our run of, uh, you know, not no defeats. So let's, you know, not obviously this season, but the opening match was fantastic. We were in really good form. We've got Henderson back marshalling the team. We've got Virgil back sorting out that defence. Uh, Allison looked superbly strong last Saturday. A couple of really good saves. Um, Trent may be a little off the pace, but hopefully he's going to be really back on form. Um, I don't see us as having much of a problem in terms of our strength. And the tactics that I'm so sure that Jürgen will push for will make sure that actually we're properly prepared. Along with Man City, it is going to be Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United always kind of being put up there. But I kind of, to me, as you were saying there against the top side, it sort of sends me back to the title winning season, the 3-1 home win over Manchester City, the 2-0 win against Manchester United as well. The Liverpool quite happy to play maybe a bit of a tight cagey game, but when the game does break open, it'll be they who make sure they take the chances. Yeah, I mean, the speed um, and technique of players like Jota, um, you know, Salah, we know all about. That's just shows some of the strength that we've got there. I mean, I was absolutely delighted with Tsimikas, his speed. Um, you know, you worry about somebody stepping into Robbo's position because uh, he's so good. But then actually, what a revelation. He's like a new signing for us, effectively, because... None of us have seen him play outside of friendlies. And to have him step up so quickly and so well, um, I'm not as worried as I thought I might be. No, I agree with you on that. What, what do you make then of, um, in terms of this game, chance to send out an early warning message, I suppose, to the likes of, of Manchester City? And whilst everyone else seems to be sort of racing around to still try and do some last-minute shopping, Liverpool seem quite happy with what they've got and with what they've got, a very settled unit, ready to kind of, I suppose, take it on from match day one, two wins already in the bag, and now looking to continue that. Yeah, I, I think that we are really well prepared. I think we've got an amazing team that we almost, we beat ourselves up for not making signings, but actually we've been busy securing our future by getting so many players' contracts extended. That has really, I think, settled a lot of nerves about what's the future over the next four or five years. And yep, we will have to refresh talent as we move forward. But I think the talent we've got is still very amazing. 
Yeah, those contract renewals keep coming for Liverpool and in the blink of an eye, as you say, have been able to sort it out all so quickly. Well, that's all we've time for here on this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Do make sure if you want to uh, reach out, find out more about Cop Outs, do head to Twitter and do check them out. You can find them at LFC underscore LGBT, which is search for Cop Outs. I'm sure you will find them. My thanks goes to Paul Leman for joining us here on the Blood Red podcast. Do make sure to come back after the game where we will have of the post-game podcast, Jurgen Klopp's press conference, as well as plenty of reaction to come. But until next time here on Blood Red, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.